All right, we are going to go ahead and fire up. Hey, I appreciate you guys so much um, coming today. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share kind of our heart, um, my wife and I and our family and our calling for the last few years, um, and, and hopefully be able to draw some application for you guys. So I grew up um, in a very traditional Baptist church uh, from the day I was born. And every Sunday, the choir would walk out of the choir. How many of you went to a church that had a choir growing up? Yeah, so they walk out of the choir loft, right? And I'm sitting there as a three and four-year-old thinking, where do these people come from? Like, this is magic that these choir people in these matching robes just appear um, and then all of a sudden lead us in music the rest of the time. Um, and then one day, uh, as I got older, we were there during the week and I got to go up into the choir loft and see like the magic of where these people come from, you know? Like I got to see their robes and see where they practice and all this stuff. And it was just this um, magical moment of seeing where the choir comes from. And I felt like that a little bit this morning of standing at the back of the nest um, and just seeing the magic of you guys. My wife has been coming to the nest for 10 plus years, I think. Is that right? Rounding up. I mean, more than six. Uh, and so, you know, talks about it and raves about it. Um, and so it was just really fun for me as, as the outsider guy, I get to see, you know, where the magic happens um, and what you guys do. And so, hey, so my name is Ben Solomon. Um, I am a former teacher. Um, I work for an educational nonprofit now. Uh, and the reason that I'm here this morning talking is, is kind of connected to our work with School Impact. And so School Impact is our uh, school partnership ministry that we have here at Watermark. Um, we have five partner schools. We're about three years old as a ministry. And so um, a couple of times throughout the next 45 minutes or so, I'll weave in some kind of talking and learning points that we've had from School Impact. But like I said, this is my first time at the Nest. And so I said, Lauren, what do I need to do? Like, what is the protocol? What's the norm uh, for this Nest group? And she said, first thing you have to do is introduce your family. Is that true? Is, does everybody introduce their family, right? Okay, good. I'm, hey, one for one so far. So here's our family, um, my little obligatory uh, picture of myself and, and Lauren. Um, and let me introduce her a little bit because she is a big part of this story. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about school impact um, and the opportunities we've had with our kids as we've gone through school. This is as much, if not more, her story than it is mine. Um, I feel a little more comfortable talking in front of groups, but we're gonna save 20, 30 minutes at the end for Q&A and some table talk and processing and stuff like that. And so I've asked her to come up here and help me with that. And so if you wanna hear the mama perspective um, and questions related to this, uh, she will definitely be available to, to help out for that part. We also have three other kids. Um, and so on the left here is Riley, who is eight years old and in third grade right now. Um, a lot of this first part of the story kind of uh, centers around her. Caden is our boy, um, our little mess there. He just started kindergarten. Um, and then Bailey is four, and she's got one more year before she starts up with kindergarten. So uh, that is our little crew. Lauren, check the box, good? That's sufficiently, okay. Uh, family explained, so all right. Hey, so um, I mentioned that I'm a teacher uh, by trade. I, I did that for seven years in the classroom in Richardson um, and now get to work in a lot of schools and classrooms and things like that. And so you're gonna see some of my teacherness coming out uh, throughout, throughout this. And so the first thing is at your table, you have our handouts. Um, it blesses me as a teacher when I see my students engaged and taking notes. Um, and so this is my effort to provide you with a resource to take notes. Um, I have some uh, tables and stuff there that we're going to talk through in this presentation, but I hope that you are just kind of, you know, whatever, wherever the spirit moves you to write down questions, um, do that. On the back, if you'll flip over, 
To me, this is probably the most important part is that there is a section um, at the bottom that says questions and next steps. And so, like I said, we're going to have a pretty extended time for Q&A at the end. So if you have questions that pop up um, as we go, feel free to jot those down there. But we are not probably going to take you from four or five or six school choices that you might be considering and just have you land on one this morning. I hope to give you some things to think about and some conversations you need to have with your husband and your community group and some things to do with schools and things like that. So make sure that you're writing down um, those next steps also. One other uh, kind of pre-preparation for success here. This is a hot topic, right? Um, if you, how many of you, like, you, you don't have any kids in school yet? Okay, and then how many of us have, uh, we already got a couple kids that are, that are in school, right? That's, so that's where we are. Um, man, you guys know that as you talk with friends and neighbors and parents um, about this, like, this is just a loaded conversation. Um, Watermark has not put out a lot of resources around this over the years, and I think it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to, to navigate this conversation. So I just want to front load this by asking for grace from you. Um, we're going to, you know, there, there's an undertone of, you know, racial things and equity things and uh, protecting my kids and what is, you know, Christian versus secular. It's all woven into this. And so um, if I say something that is, you know, steps on your toes or is offensive, I'd love one. Um, oh, never. Whew, saved by the battery. Uh, appreciate that, Allison. Hey, so it's possible if you feel that emotional kind of affective filter rising up a little bit, it's possible that we kind of hit on a, on a sore spot for you. Um, and so just think about leaning into that. It's also just as likely that I said something um, in a rude or insensitive uh, way. And so I just ask for kind of your, your grace on the front end of that. And I think that will set us up for success. So if you feel yourself kind of getting sidetracked of like, ooh, I'm kind of stuck on that and I'm not even really listening or tuning in anymore because I got stuck on something, as much as possible, just try to un unstuck yourself. Um, all right, so hey, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a dialogue, um, sometimes with, with Lauren and I and then sometimes at your table. And so what I'd like for you to do um, is get to know each other. I don't think everybody knows each other at their table, but um, you're going to have to indulge me in my teacher side a little bit on this. And so what I'm going to ask you to do um, in a second, you're going to share at your table, name, age of kids, um, and then one sentence about why you chose this session on Remix today, okay? One sentence. And the way that we're going to do that is what I call a stand, share, sit. So when I say go, your whole table is going to stand up. One of you is going to start, name, age of kids, why you chose this topic, and then once you share, you sit down. And once everybody in the room is sitting down, I'll know that we're ready to get on. Give me a thumbs up if you understand instructions of stand, share, sit. We're going to do this a couple times, actually. So this is important that we get this. So step one, stand, now share, and then sit. All right. Everybody is sitting down, so that is my signal that we are ready 
to keep rolling. Hey, so you're going to have a couple opportunities um, throughout this to talk with an elbow partner, talk with your table, continue kind of building community. As you find, you know, we are like-minded people. Like a lot of us are wrestling with and struggling kind of with the same season and the same decisions. Um, That's why we're here. Uh, And so we're going to spend some time now kind of diving into the content a little bit. Um, A lot of this is going to be kind of theoretical and philosophical. You know, how does our faith apply to this conversation? But I also want to ground it in the practical a little bit. I hope that you walk away with some practical practical next steps or some practical filters that you can apply to your thoughts on this conversation. And so the way that we're going to set ourselves up for that um, is I'd like for us to just kind of brainstorm and write down options that are available to me. Now, here's my challenge before you start, okay? Um, Anything that's kind of been on your radar that has like a greater than 0% chance of where you're going to land. And if you've been looking at only private schools or only public schools, I'd love for you to think about at least one school in two of these categories, okay? Is there one private school that's kind of interesting to you? Is there a public school, a charter school, a magnet school you could transfer to? Just kind of laying out three, four, five of your options. So one minute individually to do that. All right, just the name of the school, popcorn out a couple. What, what is one, one school that you wrote down? Covenant. Covenant. Across the street. Mohawk. What else? Bowie. Some RISD options. What else? Mockingbird Elementary. Mockingbird Elementary. The DSD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What else? Janie Stark. Janie Stark. What is that? Farmers Branch? Yeah, good. There you go. Benson Hines represents CFB. One more. Cormdeo. Okay. And Quorum, would we consider that a private or is that kind of a homeschool hybrid? Yeah, right? Any, anybody in the, the homeschool is kind of one of the things we're looking at or maybe that uh, university model, right? Some hybrid options. All that to say, there's a lot of options here. And by the way, if you said, hey, I've already got kids in school, that's where my younger kids are going, like I really only have one choice. I'm going to say this a couple times, but part of our filter on this conversation is just because I've got one kid at this school doesn't mean that's where my younger kid has to go. There's logistics that help out with that, but you know, we need to be thinking about this conversation kid by kid. And just because we started there in kindergarten doesn't mean we have to go through 12 years of that same school. Um, I would hope that for each of us, each year, each kid is a separate conversation about praying for wisdom about where we go. We'll come back to that a little bit more later. So um, just to kind of get us going where we're gonna go in this next section, um, we're gonna go... Uh, We've kind of been encouraged as we kind of prep for this and talk to some staff people to say, kind of share your story, Solomon's. Like, and maybe it's maybe there's something that people can draw from that. And so we're going to go into our uh, the last five years of our life a little bit in this next section. And so to kind of get us going there, as you're thinking about school choices, just individually think for a second. If I had two options, one of those options had 50 watermark families at that option. And the other option had zero watermark families. And that's what I knew. Which of those schools would I go to? Don't share, don't talk, just think. And why? Let me pray for us as we kind of dive into the deeper parts of this conversation. Um, God, just thank you so much uh, for these sweet mamas and their sweet babies and, and kids. Um, thank you for all the people uh, around the, 
um, Metroplex and even uh, around the world that have been praying for them and for us in our time together this morning. Um, I pray that your spirit would just dwell in us mightily, um, that you would lead us uh, in the paths that you want us to walk in. Um, I pray against uh, any spirit of divisiveness or judgment or shame um, that might pop up in us here. Um, And I pray that you would just uh, search our hearts, know our inmost thoughts, um, lead us in the way you want us to go, uh, and just give us peace and rest and comfort in that. Um, Pray for those next 30 minutes that that you would um, just be uh, the center of the story, um, the one that's celebrated, um, the one that we seek to, to please and honor in this conversation. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna dive into our story for a little bit here for five or 10 minutes or so. And let me just, again, preface this by this is our story. I hope it challenges you. I hope it encourages you. Um, I hope it gives you some you know, talking points or things to think about. This is not intended to be prescriptive. Our story is not your story. Um, I hope this is descriptive, that it gives you some thoughts to, as you are processing this decision, kid by kid, year by year, maybe there are some things that we can um, learn from our story. There's some things that we have learned uh, that apply to your situation. And then we're gonna use that story as kind of the meat um, of how we navigate our school choice decision. So um, here we go. Uh, When I was 19 years old, um, I was a sophomore at Texas A&M University. There you go. Man, I knew I liked you people. There we go. and so I went, um, I spent 10 weeks the summer after my sophomore year with Campus Crusade um, doing inner city ministry in Los Angeles. And we went to AIDS hospices and did vacation Bible school in Watts where the riots were. Um, we worked in Skid Row. And our theme verse for that summer um, was Isaiah 58. This is 19 years ago, half of my life. Um, let me just read this to you. I've, I've teased out some of the main verses here. Isaiah 58, six through 12. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Eight, nine, 10, 11, build on that idea, culminating in verse 12 that says, those from among you shall rebuild the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And when I was 19 years old, that changed my worldview. That changed the direction that I was going. I changed majors, changed careers, changed what my life was about based on that scripture and that summer. Come back to Texas A&M um, and meet this little girl who happens to be sitting in the room. That, By the way, I should give a shout out. The parents of that little girl are sitting at the back table also. So fun doing this with your in-laws. They are actually a part of this story also. Um, we got lots of weaves through here. So I meet this little girl that happens to be kind of running in the same direction. She's doing inner city ministry at the time. She has a heart for reaching out um, to the same kids that I was. And so uh, this girl graduates um, because we definitely weren't going to get married before graduation. Um, my father-in-law told me, if you marry her, she becomes your financial responsibility. And we said, hey, we're a good waiting. You know, we'll just trust the Lord's timing on this whole uh, engagement thing. Um, the first thing we did when we got married was got, get her LASIK. I did try to claim pre-existing conditions to go back uh, to, her husband, or to her dad to pay for that. That did not go well. That did not go well. Um, so anyway, after uh, meeting her, kind of seeing that uh, we were running in the same direction, um, grabbed hands with her and made her my wife fed her some cake, um, and, and we became uh, married. We moved back to Lake Highlands where she grew up, um, bought a little house, uh, and had a little baby. 
So this is Riley that you saw a few slides ago um, as a baby, and then she becomes one, becomes two, becomes three, and we start thinking about school. Um, and so this is kind of, how many of you are kind of in this situation? My oldest is two, three, four, starting to kind of, yeah, maybe half of us, which is great. Um, so that's where we are. I mean, where you're at right now is where we were five years ago. And so we start kind of asking around, talking to our community, like, hey, you know, where do you, where, what's the school situation? Where do you guys go to school? Um, and they said, well, you, you know, you feed to North Lake Elementary, right? And we said, okay, we knew that. Like, we, we bought this house here. And so nobody goes to North Lake. And we're like, well, like, it, it's a school. I see kids there. Like, people go to North Lake. And well, no, nobody, oh, how do I say this? Like, nobody like us goes to North Lake. Like, Interesting, you know, by the way, most of the next couple minutes are going to be direct quotes um, from our neighbors, from our community, from Christian and non-Christian friends, you know, so nobody really goes to that school. And like, okay, well, you know, I, I'm a lifetime educator. Lauren and I are kind of called in the same direction. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, why, why would you say this is not a good school? By the way, a little commercial break here. Um, one of your takeaways from today is anytime somebody says that's a good school or that's not a good school, I would love for you to ask the follow-up question of Why? Why do you say that? Um, because when you scratch the veneer a little bit, it gets really dirty underneath that veneer sometimes. And so just be part of the movement out there to say, let's, let's ask why and let's be thoughtful about this school. And so when we asked that question, they said, well, you know, the, um, it's a lot of rough kids. It's a lot of um, parents that aren't really involved. They don't really have a PTA. You know, the kids kind of run wild. The teachers are doing their best. Like they're trying to, um, you know, make that work. But it's, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a rough school. Like we, we don't, we don't go to that school. Right. And I said, okay, okay. So, so what do you do? Like, what are, what are other options? And so they said, well, you, you just transfer out. Like RSD is super flexible and just saying, you know, um, Hey, I, I don't want my kid to walk across the street. So I'm going to transfer to this school over here. I'm going to transfer to this school down the road. Um, and just said, Hey, that's kind of what we do. And we're like, huh, like that's what everybody does. In fact, for about 15 years, that's what everybody had done in our community. And Lauren and I just prayed and thought and said, you know, like I'm thinking about Los Angeles and I'm thinking about her doing inner city ministry and I'm thinking about Young Life and I'm thinking about my experience in classrooms all across the country where the success and the quality of education almost has no correlation to the demographics of kids that are there. You know, it has a lot to do with the teachers and the institution and things like that. And we just said, man, like, maybe this is kind of our, maybe this is our Esther moment, you know? Maybe we were, we bought this house and got a great deal, not really knowing where it fed, but now that it does, like, maybe we were put here for just a time as this, to be, you know, have an opportunity to kind of live out our calling in a really radical, countercultural, counter-Christian cultural type of way. And it was scary. Um, in fact, I grabbed this picture um, from about four years ago on Facebook, and I didn't like this picture because it's blurry and you can't really read it real well. Um, but as I thought about it, I said, that's actually a perfect example because this was not like a light shining from heaven. You guys are called to North Lake. Oh, you know, like if that's what you're waiting on, it's probably not going to happen for your school choice decision. Um, it was just a blurry, muddy, scary time for us. Lauren, is that, am I capturing that accurately? Um, I remember, I mean, Tears, prayers, community that was um, advising us in other directions. Uh, Lauren praying, you know, one family. God, can you provide one other family to come with us? And there wasn't another family. And it got to the point where Lauren just, I, I remember her saying like, I've gotten to the point now where if we're the only family, that's okay. Um, and basically the, the conversation, the thought process you just went through of transferring down the road to the school that had 50 Watermark families or going to the school where we were the only one, 
have been the only one for the last three years. There's actually one other Watermark family in Kinder this year, which is pretty exciting. Um, but that was our situation. Again, not prescriptive, not your story. A lot of more data points that are involved, but that's where we were. And Lauren said, I don't want you to share this story because it kind of feels like you're bragging a little bit. And I hope that this next little section does sound like bragging on the Holy Spirit, um, that when we are called and faithfully follow where he has called us to go, he is faithful to see that work through to completion. And that's the next little segment here because as we go into that school, okay, here we go. It's scary, right? It's blurry. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, there's, there's little Riley. There's her kindergarten class um, diving in. And we say, hey, we're, we're just gonna dive in. We feel like this is where we're supposed to be. And so um, pretty soon thereafter, we got to partner with our friends at Antioch in Normandy. Uh, a significant population of North Lake comes from single-parent households, fatherless households. And so um, Forerunner Mentoring came in, and they said, hey, we're going to grab the fatherless boys at your school, and we're going to partner them with a mentor, and we're going to make sure that we end cycles of fatherlessness at your school. That's awesome. Like, we got to help out um, and make that happen. Lauren said, you know what? There's, there's no PTA, so I'm going to be the PTA. Um, and so she, we ran a hard campaign, um, and she became president of the PTA for two years. It really wasn't. There was nobody else that wanted to do it, um, and she was kind of it by default. And so, uh, so we started doing PTA, and we started looking around at the needs that these teachers had nobody loving on them, these students had nobody tutoring them, the school was kind of run down, and we said, we need more help. Um, and so we came to Jeff and Benson and Watermark and said, we, we need more hands. Um, and they said, hey, you know what? Not only do we need more help at Northlake, Allison and the Treadways are doing some stuff at RSD Academy and they need some more hands there. And Watermark Plano is partnering with Sigler and they need some more hands there. What if we started this ministry, um, which is School Impact now, three years later, um, and just said, hey, let's formalize this process, this heart among the Watermark body for caring about our local schools. Whether or not your kids go there, um, there still uh, is an opportunity for us to love and serve on those kids. And so from that, we were able to partner with uh, the Women's Bible Study, redo the Teacher's Lounge, bring in lunches um, for them. We were able, uh, and so that's, that's kind of the macro piece, like the School Impact and, and PTA and all that kind kind of stuff. The micro piece, though, um, is just the blessing that has been to our family. And so that's looked a little different than kind of what we envisioned uh, school to be like. Like, Riley's in third grade. Um, I don't think she's ever been over to one of her schoolmates' houses to play. That's different. That's not what we expected, right? But all that means is that they want to come to our house all the time. And so not only do they come over and do things like um, decorate pumpkins, um, Lauren just seizes those opportunities to do pumpkin gospel with those kids when they come over. They came over to um, decorate Christmas cookies, and so she said, hey, let's grab the Jesus Storybook Bible and read the Christmas story um, to these friends. When we sign up for soccer, you know, when we sign up for gymnastics, it's, hey, Riley, what, one or two kids um, to, to come and jump in with you. VBS this summer, Lauren woke up at six this morning because she could sign up eight kids for vacation Bible school, our three plus five of their friends. And that's just kind of what the last three years um, has looked like for us. Uh, again, not bragging on us at all, but just on the spirit of his faithfulness, macro level as well as micro level. I wanna end with this one story because we've had the opportunity through you guys. Um, anybody recognize those boxes there? Y'all see, see those? Y'all know what those boxes are? The shoeboxes, right? Have you, anybody done, participated in the shoeboxes the last couple of years? Hey, so the shoeboxes, two years ago, we uh, got to give a shoebox to every teacher at one of our partner schools. And so we got to utilize that opportunity to say, hey, let us 
tell you who we are as the body. Let us tell you what our faith is. We are here to love you through materials and love you through serving. And we also want to be available to love you spiritually and emotionally. And we think that's what holistic love is. And so from those conversations, occasionally we've had opportunities to get phone calls from the counselor and said, we've got a crisis situation. We've got kids that were hit by a car that can't um, do their medical bills. Uh, we have an we have a apartment fire that two of our families at North Lake um, were, didn't have any materials left. And we had one recently um, where... Uh, they called us up and said, hey, we've got, we got a homeless, we got a family at North Lake, four kids that's about to go homeless. Solomon's School Impact, Watermark, can you guys help us out? We, we don't have the capacity to handle this. And my sweet wife just dives into that conversation, calls, calls her up, says, what's going on? She said, well, hey, we got one more day in our apartment. We're about to be kicked out, four kids, single mom. Um, and she said, well, what, what can I do? Like, what, what do, we, like, do we need to like, make room in our home? Like, you want to come live with us for a while? And she's like, really? I, I need Wi-Fi. She's like, I need to fill out some applications so that the government will help me get placed into a homeless shelter. And Lauren's like, done. Come over to our house, use our Wi-Fi. Um, what else? She said, I, I've got a car, but I don't have any gas. And done. You know, hey, we'll, we'll get you a gas card. Um, we'll help you out with some food. Over the next couple months, you know, we continue to, Lauren continues to develop a relationship with his family. Um, and we get to help them get placed into a homeless shelter and go down and help them out with Christmas. Um, they are friends with our kids now, um, come over for meals and things like that. And it's much of a blessing on us as it is on them. And just to kind of wrap up this part of our conversation today, um, we got a phone call uh, the last day of school before Christmas break was out, um, and it was the mom. And she said, uh, 7 a.m. phone call, Lauren, I need help. She doesn't normally call at 7 a.m. And Lauren said, what's, what's the deal? Like, wh why are you calling at 7 a.m.? She said, I, I was driving around last night. I got hit by a car, and I've been at Parkland all night. And Lauren's like, oh, gosh, like, okay, what do, you know, what do we need to do? And she said, um, when I was driving around, I was looking for pajama pants because tomorrow is where pajamas are school day and my kid doesn't have pajama pants and she doesn't, she doesn't want to go to school. Can you help us out? <laughs> and it's like, of course, like, duh. And what an opportunity to walk into Riley's room and say, hey, do you have some pajama pants that we can give to your sweet friend um, so she can get to school today? And the story, okay, come on, refocus, here we go. The story chokes me up every time um, as I kind of wrap up this part for, for three reasons. I, I've told this story a handful of times and every time it tears me up. Um, and the, I think there's three reasons why. First off, um, a kid not wanting to go to school because they don't have pajama pants or don't have a pencil or can't afford to, like that's the poverty cycle, right? That's the generational poverty cycle that when parents can't provide, the kids grow up and feel like they don't have a place in school and the cycle continues. And that's what's been going on in our country for 100 years. Secondly, when I read back to this verse that at 19 years old changed the direction of my life, I'm just so blessed that this is the opportunity that we've had, that this is not words that was Isaiah wrote 3,000 years ago, but like the opportunity that we've had to live this out um, in our household and with our family. And then the third reason that this chokes me up and catches me every time is because these opportunities of providing pajama pants for kids and loving on kids and parents and uh, teachers that don't have loved on is the opportunity that we have as the body and that we just miss out on a lot. Um, we, just, we just miss. And related to that, I mean, this family, um, the mom that's working three jobs and can't provide for her kid and is a single mom is the reason that a lot of people were telling us not to go to North Lake. And it just gets me of like, man, that's the blessings that we would have missed out on if we had followed through with kind of where people were advising us to go. 
And so I want to stop there because that kind of got, got kind of heavy. I didn't intend to cry with you guys. Um, but again, our story, descriptive, not prescriptive, okay? But in that story, um, I think there are some truths that we can pull out that apply to your story, okay? So here's how we're gonna turn the corner here to make, that was kind of about us, this is gonna be about you now, um, is that if I would have given this talk five years ago, if when Riley was four years old, the, the s- summary or the, the action item out of this was like, send your kids to North Lake, send your kids to public school, find every DISD, RISD school that doesn't have watermark families and you run there. Like if there's zero, you go be the one. And as I have sat underneath the counsel of Todd and Blake and listened to resources online, um, God has kind of stirred my heart of that's, that's your story and that's the Solomon's conviction. That does not need to be your conviction, okay? In fact, um, if I were to have the, if I'd have done this five years ago, that might've been my ranking right there from most God-ordained to least God-ordained public, private, homeschool. Um, and here is the big takeaway from today. If you don't remember anything when you walk out of here or a month from now, fill in these blanks for me, okay? Um, pick up your pen and write down, the Bible provides us with freedom when choosing a school. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. The big takeaway from today is extend that freedom to yourself first and foremost. Realize that there is not guilt and shame that needs to be associated with this conversation. And then once you've got that circle drawn and you've got that freedom within, make sure that you're extending that to others also. I would not have been able to do that or say that five years ago. Um, But as we have learned um, and our our staff has built out more resources around that, um, I am increasingly convinced that this this is the spiritual response to navigating school choice in one slide. So here, here's the big takeaway from today. Uh, Blake helped, do y'all remember this sermon uh, four or five months ago? Talking about um, what is the faith, and he talked about um, that in the faith there are essentials and convictions and opinions and questions. He specifically talked about school choice. Anybody remember where, he, where school choice landed there? Yeah, absolutely. School choice is an opinion. Blake said that four or five times um, in that sermon. Good job. Way to be listening. Uh, way to be taking notes there. Hey, so if in your little, you have that picture on your slide. I'd love for you to draw an arrow there and just remind yourself school choice is an opinion. He also used um, whether women should stay home or work as another example of an opinion. Uh, and just recognizing that um, you might have a conviction on yourself as to what you do. I think that for Lauren and I, um, Northlake was a conviction. That doesn't mean it is for you. Um, and so, and you might be convicted homeschool. You might be convicted covenant. You might be convicted, convicted, what word am I saying right now? Convicted, convicted um, anywhere else. Uh, but that is your conviction and not, and not others. So let's dive in now. Yeah. So let's dive in now to um, what are some themes that we can take away from our story um, that we can take away. Over the last four or five years, we've probably met with 20 or 25 families and community groups and individuals that said, hey, we've heard your story. Here's where we're at. Help us process and think through that. And the, the themes that have emerged from those conversations are the same as the themes that emerged from our situation, um, that there are voices and narratives that are out there that are pointing us in one direction, 
um, navigating us in school choice this way when maybe we need to be going this way. And so this is what we're gonna do on that little table right there. So the first one um, under voices to steer away from, fear and control. Write that down for me in that top left cell. So in our, in our story that looked like, hey, the, the, you know, these kids are, fa- are scary, these families are scary, public school curriculum is scary, sex ed is scary, Ev- teaching evolution is scary, right? Um, maybe if I'm feeling called towards private school, like the financial implications of that are scary to me. If I'm being called towards homeschool, um, goodness, like staying home with my kids, God, is that really what you're calling me to? Like that's really scary. Um, I heard Beth use the word terrified. Uh, maybe, maybe exemplifies us a little bit more where we're going, right? Of man, you know, this is, this is maybe what I'm thinking God is calling us to, and I am terrified of that. Another fear that I think pops up a lot is, is FOMO. Um, you guys familiar with this? Todd uses this. He just sounds kind of dorky um, when he does that. Uh, I think it sounds dorky for me to even say that, but that fear of missing out, right? Um, feel free to write that if you want to underneath that, you know, of like, I don't want my kids to miss out on these cool opportunities or these opportunities to be on this sports team. Another thing that comes up, I think, in this fear part a lot is fear of us missing out, you know, like I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see people that are at these cool school auctions and doing these cool things and all these dressing up in all these like, you know, old costumes and stuff. Y'all see this? Is that just my Facebook feed? Right? And I'm like, man, like that, that would be cool. Like I, that would be fun. Like we don't have that kind of stuff. We've missed out on that. Um, and so I think when we start missing out on that stuff, right, then naturally the next step is then control. If I'm scared of those kids or that curriculum or uh, that financial implication, like I want to start controlling the situation, right? It's just kind of a natural progression there. So fear and control was one that uh, seems to come up in this conversation a lot. If fear and control is kind of that pressure from within, then the pressure from without, um, it seems like conformity comes up a lot. Um, for our story, you know, what that looked like was people telling us like, hey, you know, nobody, nobody really goes to that school. Like we, we all just kind of transfer out and RISD kind of turns a blind eye and it's, it's all good, right? Um, I think conformity a lot of times is connected to our family of origin. Um, if you grew up in homeschool or you grew up in private school, like that might feel most comfortable to you. Lauren and I both grew up in the public school setting. Uh, and so we know what that looks like and feels like. Um, so there's this pressure to kind of conform to what's normal. Um, you might have conformity to what your community group is telling you or what your parents are telling you um, or just kind of what you see in the Christian culture a little bit, right? The next one, this idea of outsourcing, you know? So in our story, um, that looked like, hey, if you transfer your kid to this school, you won't really have to worry about them making friends anymore, you know? Or you won't really have to worry about them being on the right teams. Um, maybe that looks like, hey, if I get my kid into, into Covenant was one of the ones that came up. If my, I get my kid into Covenant, oh, that would be so great. I wouldn't have to worry about discipling my kid anymore, you know? Right, we'll come back to that. Uh, and so this idea of like, if I get my kid into that school, then I don't have to worry about X, you know? I don't have to worry about peer pressure anymore. I don't have to worry um, about their future anymore, which then connects us to this last one, which I think probably summarizes the top three. There's just this pressure of this like worldly, secular way that the world defines success for us. 
success as a person, success as a parent, success for our kids. You know, success looks like them being in the right social circles. Success looks like them going to the right high schools, colleges, getting into the right career that makes a lot of money that, you know, they can take care of you when you're older. So many just mistruths that we're told about what it looks like to be a successful parent um, and have successful kids. So I want to pause right here. We're about at the halfway point, actually a little bit beyond that, um, to just kind of make a couple points here. Uh, in that whole little description, did you hear any, any Bible, any scripture in there? Now, th- I mean, th- this, is, this is what draws us. This is what we hear a lot, Christian and non-Christian friends. It's just not a biblically informed perspective, right? Anytime that we are processing decisions the way, same way that the world is processing them, that should be a red flag going up for us, Right? The other thing is that this is not an exhaustive list. My hunch is that you might have some other things that are wooing you to navigate in this direction that maybe aren't even captured here. These are kind of big four themes that we've seen emerge. So I wanna pause for a second here. Um, We are a little bit over our halfway point. And I want you to just think about, out of those four topics there, um, is there one or two that have been part of your story a little bit or part of the counsel or advice that you've received? Or... Are there maybe number five and number six below that uh, are really kind of what, what is navigating you um, away from this that, that would kind of fall into this voices to steer away from? So 20 seconds, just kind of think and process that end of it. And let's do two minutes. Let's just do this with an elbow partner, okay? Turn to the person to your left and your right, two minutes or so um, total about, hey, were there some connections that you made so far? Um, or are there other things that you would add to this column of voices to steer away from? Two minutes with an elbow partner, just turn um, and talk with them. All right, let's come back as we kind of hit the, hit the home stretch here of um, if those are the voices to steer away from. Um, and again, you, you might have more as part of your story or that are part of your kind of um, noise that's informing where you go with this. So, so first off, like, what do we do with these big four? Like if, if, if this is a GPS and it's telling us to go this way, um, what do we do to counteract that and say, no, that's actually not the way that I need to be going, okay? So here we go. We're just gonna have a one-for-one thing here, okay? If we have a voice inside of us or around us that is trying to persuade us through fear and control, what do you think that the biblical alternative looks like to fear? There you go, right? And this sounds so foundational, right? Of trust God, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own stinking understanding and the understanding of your community and the understanding of your neighbors and the understanding of your parents. And all your ways acknowledge him and he will guide you on the path that you're supposed to go on. And that's so like Christianity 101, um, but it's such a perfect application to this conversation. That part of you that is just feels feel, filled with fear. You know, what, what does it look like to just give that over to God and say, hey, I recognize that there is freedom. Like there's not a wrong, sinful choice in this conversation for me. I have freedom here. I can extend that freedom to myself and I can extend that freedom to others. Conformity, right? Like, hey, you need to do this because everybody else is doing it, right? That, that doesn't sound very biblical to me. Like what's the biblical alternative to conformity? Yeah, to me, to me, that goes to Romans 12, right? Okay. In fact, let me, let me just read this one because I think it's good. There's, there's more meat in here than, than I have memorized. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
Okay, yeah, that's easy. I, I can present my body, presenting my children's body as a living sacrifice is a, oh my gosh, no, you're, you're testing my faith a little bit there, God, right? Present your child, present your bodies, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and that's our reasonable act of service. Teach yourself, teach your children to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Oh, man, like, it's a challenge for me to do that to myself. Man, it is scary, right? It's scary to be Abraham and have Isaac called up on that altar, okay? But if we started from a baseline of trusting God, then we know that's what we're called to do. We don't have time to get in this today, but if you are interested in this idea of being non-conformed, um, there is a whole nother 45 minutes to tease out of that. MLK preached a very powerful sermon on the idea of, as a Christian community, um, what it looks like for us to be non-conformists. He was specifically talking about in the 50s in the context of civil rights, um, but I think it's just as applicable today uh, on this conversation of how we make decisions, how are we non-conformists, that we don't make decisions the same way that the rest of the world makes these. Outsourcing, what's the biblical alternative to outsourcing? I would call it stewardship, okay? Write that one down if you're tracking with me on our little table here. It's just a reminder for us that no matter what school, homeschool, private school, public school, your kid ends up at, you do not get to outsource your responsibilities to that school. Your responsibilities for discipleship, like we get that. Todd talks about that all the time. We understand that. I would also make the case that your responsibilities for education. Okay, hold up. That didn't, that didn't quite make sense to me, Ben. Like you send your kids to another teacher 40 hours a week. How are you as a parent still responsible for their education? Um, to me, this is the example of uh, my job is to set the worldview through which my kids take in all information. What they watch on TV, what they hear from their friends, what they're hearing at school runs through the biblical filter that we have helped them establish. That's the goal, at least, right? So we are still responsible for their discipleship and their education. Um, there's a great story uh, in Going Public, um, which is one of the recommended resources on the back page that talks about in fifth grade, um, he said uh, their kids were in public school and they came, the, the kid came home with a packet uh, um, in English about fairy tales. And so there was like Greek fairy tales and Disney fairy tales and then biblical fairy tales. And he was like, so the kid, the kid had this biblical filter that he had had put on by his parents. And he said, dad, check this out. Like, this is the packet that I just got home in fifth grade, you know? And so the, the parent, the author of the book said, you know, my, my nature was to say, we're done. Like, we're pulling our kids out of public school. We're homeschooling. They will never leave, you know, uh, never leave my house again, right? Um, but he said, you know, I saw this as a perfect opportunity to say, let me coach you in this. Let's role play this conversation with your teacher. Let me have you go back the next day and I can come and kind of sit in on that if you want. Um, and he said, we just got to kind of have that dialogue with the teacher and with the administrator of kind of, here's, here's our values and how we see this um, and why that might not be appropriate uh, in the context of this class. And he said, what a privilege it was with a fifth grader to get to build that biblical worldview into his education while he still had seven more years underneath his roof rather than waiting until they were in college and 500 miles away for the kid to navigate that on their own, right? So this idea of stewardship comes from uh, Psalm 127, verse three. Uh, 
Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And you might have heard Todd talk about this idea of arrows in the hands of a warrior. Like if I'm a warrior and I shoot this arrow and it doesn't go where it's supposed to go, like I don't get mad at the arrow. Um, I reflect on the process here of like, what did I do to shape this arrow, to, to foster this arrow, to shoot it in the direction that it needed to go? Ultimately, it's gonna go where it goes. There's wind and other forces going, but my job is to make that arrow prepared to go in the direction that it needs to go. And that's kind of this stewardship idea for our kids. The last piece then here that we're gonna kind of land on and we're gonna wrap up um, is then worldly definition of success. What's the obvious biblical alternative to that? Yeah, a biblical definition of success. Deuteronomy 6 lays this out for I'm sure that in the nest and through the parenting stuff you've been in, you have been pounded over the head with Deuteronomy 6. Um, Teach these words to your kids that they shall love the Lord your God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength, right? That's what success as a Christian parent looks like. Going back to going public again, um, I just kind of thought of those as a group, like heart and soul and mind and strength. And he kind of does an interesting thing there where he goes paragraph, he writes a paragraph about each of those. What does it look like for our kids to love the Lord their God with their hearts? That there's an emotional, like passionate love for God um, with their soul, the salvation part of that, with their mind that they can think through and reason out their faith. And then with their strength that they are using their gifts um, externally uh, in ministry. And so what's great about that framework is that we have a similar four-part framework that we utilize in Watermark. Um, what's our four-part framework that we use to evaluate ourselves and our uh, biblical success every year? The four, the four Bs, right? So just as a lens to think through, and if you'll flip over to the back here, this is just a way um, that we can think about a biblical definition of success for our kids. So believe, um, belong to his body, be trained in truth, be strong in a life of ministry and worship. Like, how are we doing? Like, how are we doing with our three-year-old and four-year-old for setting them up for success there? And then what about schooling options? So go ahead and do this for me. On that left column, write the word homeschool. Like that first row that goes underneath, be trained. Below that, write the word private school. Below that, write the word public school. And if you get home and you wanna go through this exercise with your husband or with your community group, feel free. The, the schools that you wrote down at the very beginning of this activity, pop those in there. And hey, do either of these schools provide gaps or opportunities here? There's almost a strength, a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats. And so if we were to look at homeschooling from a believe, belong, be trained, be strong perspective, what area might be a strength of the homeschooling model? If I got my kid for 40 hours a week at home with me um, teaching them, or maybe in that university model, yeah, be trained and believe, right? Like I'm there with be trained and believe our strengths of homeschool. Now, that's fantastic. There's also some gaps, some um, opportunities that come with homeschool. Which one might be a gap for homeschool? Belong, right? Belong. And so if we were to kind of do a, a check and an X might be better if you don't have colors with you there. Hey, 
at homeschool, this is a strength of this, this model, but belonging might be a gap. That doesn't mean don't do homeschool, okay? That doesn't mean there's a biblical argument for not doing homeschool. What that means is as a parent, I know that I need to put some extra effort into supplementing my opportunity for my kids to have community around them, right? Okay, you kind of see where we're going here. So the next one, private school. What might be a strength of the private school format in general, especially schools like Covenant and Providence and some of the other ones um, that we're going to? Yeah, I would say be trained is a strength, right? I know that they're doing Bible um, every day at Covenant when they're there, um, that they are being trained in biblical foundation. They're looking at history and science through a biblical worldview. Like they're being trained in how to do that. Now, Covenant, Providence, some of those schools, what might be a gap there? Be strong, right? Hey, if, in general, and this is speaking with very broad strokes here, a lot of the kids at Covenant are going to look like our kids, right? And think like, like we do. And so being able to expose them to kids that aren't like them might be a gap, right? Now, by the way, I threw in an extra logo here. There was actually just the red dot on Be Strong in Ministry. Um, if you are thinking about homeschool or private school, we need to be thinking about how I can get my family and my kids involved in ministry. This is my opportunity to plug School Impact. Um, at all five of our schools, we need help loving on students, mentoring, tutoring. We need help loving on teachers, teacher treats, adopted teacher, praying for teachers. Um, I would love, what, no matter where you end up in school, um, to continue developing a heart uh, for your local community there, um, the kids that are there. There are 52 million people right now sitting in public schools across our country, okay? One out of every six people in our country. We as a church cannot lose our voice in public school. So whether there's a connection um, between where you send your kid to school, uh, you know, if I send my kid to private school or homeschool and where I plug in, but they're not mutually exclusive. You know, I send my kid to homeschool so I don't have to care about my local community anymore. That's, that's not biblically informed. And school impact is a vehicle um, to make that happen. Last one, public school. You know, um, Lauren and my story. Um, what might be a strength there? Be strong, right? Oh my gosh. Like we as a family and my kids have had so many ministry opportunities. Every day I, I drive my kids to the circle drive and the last thing I say is find someone to show Jesus' love to today because they have tons of opportunities every day. Not that that is unique to public school. Um, my friends are on mission at private school and on mission at home school. Um, but we just have a lot of opportunities to be strong there. But what might be a gap? Yeah, be, be trained and even believe part, right? Um, of like, hey, they, they are not getting 40 hours a week of Bible like they would at Covenant. Doesn't mean don't go to public school. That just means recognize that that is my responsibility as a parent to help them develop that. All right, last slide, and then we're going to do some Q&A. Hey, so just additional random thoughts that seem to pop up in this conversation a lot. I did this with Benson's community group a couple months ago, and at the end, somebody said, hey, Ben, this is all great. I appreciate the filters. I appreciate the Bible. Um, where do I send my kid to school? Um, and she was like, I've been to 10 open houses. I've prayed about this. I've done all the research. I don't know what to do. And we just kind of talked about, like, there's probably a continuum of processing this conversation we don't want to be on the flippant end of like, oh, hey, Kinder Roundup was yesterday and I forgot to sign my kid up. I didn't even know they started school this year. Like, you're probably not on that end. We definitely don't want to be on this other end all either of overanalyzing because if our foundation is trusting God, then there's a point at which you have analyzed enough and it's time to, to trust, right? Um, there's a point at which that might even become idolatry for us. Um, if I have to do 45 open houses, you know, 
I'd encourage you to get the facts, okay? That means like what's on the internet is not facts by and large, okay? So don't get your information from greatschools.org or things like that. Like go and do school visits, okay? Um, that is the way to actually know the truth um, about a school. We said this earlier, this is not necessarily a 12-year decision. I would encourage you to do this year by year, kid by kid. Um, what are the unique giftedness and needs of my kids and what can I do to help them um, be set up for success? And the last thing there, again, like I said, we've been processing this conversation for about five years now. These are some of my favorite resources um, that we've kind of compiled on there. Um, I only recently was put onto the Risen Motherhood podcast, and that link right there is dense. Um, I've spent the last couple of days listening to the Village Church's podcast on public, private versus homeschool, and it's really good. Um, there's, there's a question, discussion guides for you. Uh, Watermark has put out a couple of resources that you should listen to. Um, I have a sweet friend in South Atlanta that has just moved into one of the roughest parts of that area, and her blog post there about how she processed that decision, ultimately they landed at charter school there in South Atlanta. Um, her blog is there, Going Public that I've referenced to. There's lots of good resources out there. Um, but again, the point of today was not necessarily to make you, help you make a decision, but as much as to kind of put some filters of voices we should be listening to and voices that maybe we shouldn't be listening to as we move down this conversation. So let me pause there. Let me just give you, um, let's do this. We got about 15, 20 minutes left until we need to release. Let me just give you um, a couple minutes at your table to just kind of process. That was a lot. Um, process that conversation. And then I'll have Lauren and I come up for the last 10 minutes. Um, Allison's available also. And then we can do some Q&A time. Okay, so time at your table. In fact, let's do this. Let's, let's have 30 seconds of just silent individual. Let you kind of collect your thoughts. Where does all of this connect with me? Where do, where do we miss? What are the gaps still? And about two minutes at your table just to kind of get some initial processing connections out there. And then we'll come back and do big group Q&A. All right, let's reconvene as a group and have some processing time. So it, it, would, uh, it would bless us if you asked us some questions or even just kind of told us where you're at. Like, what are you processing? What are your connections? Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a little bit. Uh, we got 10 minutes or so um, for some, some whole group conversation. Start us off. What does discipleship look like for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you say that? By the way, my amazing wife, Lauren, who most of this story is, is her story and her faithfulness. And so, um, Lauren, you, you know, you do a decent amount of the discipleship at our house. And so what does it look like? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, is this on? Yes. Okay. I think it looks like what Todd says up front of like using time to, when you drive to school, who can we pray for in your class today? And it's, did anything, ha you know, filtering, what happened today? Did anything, you know, let's, let's think about that. What does the Bible say about that? It's, you know, doing, what do we do? The Jesse tree each night, you know, leading up to Christmas. It's, let's talk about the Jesus storybook. It's, what did you learn on Sunday when we drive home from church? It's, um, it's just knowing that they're not getting any of that at school. And so let's pick up the pace. Let's get it going. It's, you know doing vacation Bible schools, it's, yeah. Well, a lot I'm, of what Watermark's doing, yeah. I'm like, we're coming right behind. We're, what's, the, what's the word of the week or word of the month? What's the Bible verse for that? Yeah, we've, we've loved like short memory verses, you know, that um, last night my, our Bailey came in uh, and just said, Daddy, I can't sleep, I'm scared. I said, Bailey, what do you know? The Lord is my light. 
She goes, I don't need to be afraid, you know? And just little four-year-olds can memorize these little verses that start kind of resonating in their head, just like the verses that we have um, in our back pocket do also. But I think also then you start seeing the character traits of life. Ooh, did that really just come out of your mouth? Like, let's start shepherding that, you know, I mean, last night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Jamie. So when we made the, yeah, for the, for the, yeah, so the, the que- yeah, you're good, Jamie. So the, the, the question was, um, you know, so four years ago, you guys said you guys were kind of the only, you know, family that looked like us that was going to North Lake. Is that still the case? I'll take that one. Why don't you take the, the second half of the question? So no, that's not the case now. Um, what has been really neat, uh, at School Impacts, we talk about, you know, our job is to be ministers of reconciliation. And there was a broken relationship between our community and our school. Um, and through School Impacts and the body um, and just our community now, that uh, severed relationship has been restored. Um, and actually to the point where we are probably rolling School Impact out of North Lake because the PTA and the community has now filled that role that they're supposed to take. So um, Riley is still kind of on the leading edge of that, but kindergarten now, there was a, a decent amount of, of, of folks that look like us that started kinder. And each successive cohort as we go down um, looks bigger And to and piggyback bigger. on that, I think people were ripe to go to the school, but it took someone to start it, right? It took the lonely, it took the we're there, even if no one else is gonna be there. And then it kind of made people think, wait, if the Solomons think that's a good school, maybe we should research that. And we should, and so we just always encourage people, you know, how do you define what makes a school good? And what did you think when you did a tour with the principal? Like, did you, like, do you really have some issues or is it just like, it's different and nobody does it. And so we've very thankfully had people come in behind us. And so, um, and we have other believing families, just the only one that goes to Watermark right now is in kindergarten. And so we've, yeah. yeah. What's part two? Um, I think y'all mostly touched on this, but I was just going to ask what has been the impact of Yeah, so the, the question was, what has been the impact of people like you that have made this decision? And she did put air quotes, which again, just speaks to the, the awkwardness of this whole conversation, right? Like, it's just weird. And that's why I like to talk about our success not being that there's more white people at North Lake now, you know, like that the, the success is that there was a broken relationship between the community and the school that has now been restored. One of the, one of the uh, manifestations of that is there are more, you know, white people at the school. Um, yeah, so I mean, just as far as impact, um, I mean, you have anything to add on just kind of what we've seen as the blessings that have come out of that kind of from the community and the school perspective? I mean, people love helping their local school. We hear, oh, you're helping our property tax value. You know, <laughs> like we got the old ladies bringing teacher treats. We got, so from the like, it helps the community, that's been, but then. Um, I mean, to, you know, teach. Teachers feel loved on now, you know, where they didn't feel appreciated before. And so they've seen their retention levels of teachers come up, that they're able to get good teachers and keep them now instead of them going to other places. So it's just I mean, been I've a, had a teacher tell me, like, the, just the morale is up. Well, I got yeah. parents coming to help me? Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's been all over. I couldn't yeah. name everyone. And, and again, I, I, what I want you to hear in that is the Spirit is faithful to complete the good work that he started. You know, that... Uh, 
we have such a minor role in this whole thing. Um, but man, the blessings for us and for our community in the school have been, have been rich. Another question? Go ahead. Right, so the question is, what about things that kids get exposed to um, at an earlier age than we would have wanted, right? And so what's, what's the boundary between that being motivated by fear, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, put bubble wrap around my kid, versus like, yes, I am called to protect them, you know, and be a provider for them. That's tough. I was stalling so that you could think through a good answer. I hope you got it ready. Mm, okay. Well, our oldest is quite oblivious about everything in life. And so that hasn't been too much of a struggle because she's the one who's like off in La La Land, like inventing her own, her own creations. Um, I think for our other two kids, it's going to, you know, come sooner. And I think it's just asking them, hey, what happened at school today? Is there anything that you have questions? You know, just having that open dialogue of, oh, somebody said that. How do you think that may, you know, just the... I, I personally don't feel that they've been any overexposed than they would be at any other school because you have these little sinners running around doing all these. Now, the one really funny thing is that my son somehow heard someone call somebody else hot. And so he has now told Miss Kelsey at... Um, we got reprimanded at Reengage last week because yeah, he called his teacher hot. He called his... Miss Kelsey, you're hot. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about that one. <laughs> you know, that's not to say he wouldn't have heard it at any other school. But um, we haven't really even seen that that's been an issue. And I think that depends on your kid. If your kid's like the, I'm going to take everything in, and then I want to be like the coolest kid in the class, then that would definitely be more of a shepherding yeah. moment. What else? Yeah, so the, the, the question was, you know, how, how do we take account? There are voices out there, right, that, that should be speaking into us. We are a community church. We believe in the idea of biblical community around us. And so our community, our family, you know, research, like how, how do we factor all of those in to our thinking um, about how we make these decisions? I think for us, it took a lot of, Ben and I had to be on the same page, and so other people have voices and your parents have an opinion and even what school is better than other schools. But in the end, it's you and your husband's decision. And so you can walk in that, right? Because even if my parents don't agree with what we're doing, it's our decision. And so kind of just walking in confidence of, I mean, for us, it was a conviction of this is where we are going. And don't get me wrong, I had moments of, oh, dear goodness, I don't think this is right, and Ben saying, this is it, let's walk in it. And so um, just realizing that, like, you can be confident if you have gone through the processes that we have talked about, that you can go to a school that everybody goes to and still not be obeying God. Or You know, it's just, it's a personal, and there's freedom in that decision. Yeah, and I think you, we could have transferred to the school down the street and been on mission, or people could come to North Lake and not be on mission. Like, it's really not the school. It's really like what our job duties are as a Christian, right? That you can do at Covenant, and you can do at TCA, and you can do in homeschool, and you can do um, in public school also, right? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the theme from all, when I was 18 years old, I went to a, a summer camp and the speaker said, you know, I would rather live under a bridge in the center of God's will than in a mansion of disobedience. Man, you know, like that, that's, that's what this is a testament to. Of, man, there's so much richness under a bridge in the center of God's will um, than, than, you know. Last question in the back. Right. Yeah. And so the, the education piece is my piece. Like that's, I was an educator. I, I, I get into a couple hundred schools a year. Um, that is a legitimate concern, right? Uh, we want to be providing our educational opportunities for our kids. That being said, in Richardson ISD, every elementary school and teacher uses the same curriculum. Um, and so from a curriculum perspective, they, they are getting the exact same curriculum that we would have gotten if we had transferred down the road. Um, teachers are taught how to differentiate um, it is a challenge as a teacher to do that, um, but like in Riley's group, there are, there are the kids that are a little behind, the kids that are on level, and the kids that are ahead, and they spend 25% of their week being split up um, in like a light, light groups and doing acceleration or doing remediation or whatever. Um, and so I can, as a, you know, last 20 years of my life have been education, I can say 100% that I'm confident in the level of education um, that she is getting at this school. As far as Go ahead. Well, and Go then ahead. we realized yeah. that if there were gaps that we're starting to see, we're, in, I mean, we are proactive. We're talking to the teacher. We're saying, what should we be doing at home? Send more worksheets home. I mean, we've talked to some teachers about, like, well, she gets her numbers confused. All right, well, how can we help? So having the, we're going to come up and go alongside our kids um, if we feel like there is an area of education that is lacking. And that being said, it is just not our top concern. You know, as an educator, I mean, I, she's going to be okay uh, because she comes home to, you know, educated parents at night and we're doing her enrichment stuff. Um, every single teacher-parent conference we've had since they were little, we tell, the, we tell the teacher, they start giving us test scores and diagnostics and all this stuff, and we say, hey, this is great, and we appreciate you investing in our kid in that. We just want you to know that as a parenting unit, we are as more, if not more, concerned with their moral and ethical development than we are in their academic development. So let us know if she's getting numbers confused or is missing stuff, but please let us know if she's not treating people correctly or there's integrity issues or whatever. That's that, that's what we want to hear about. Um, and we've tried to just continue that uh, throughout. Last thing I want to say, um, I do appreciate Lauren's parents coming here because one of the reasons that we were able to do this is 25 years ago, uh, Lauren went to Skyview Elementary, which is the school down the road and looks just like Northlake. Um, and she, to me, all along was proof of concept that 25 years from now, Riley can turn out okay because I chose to marry um, Riley's mom that went through the same experience years ago. And, and I hope that that's Riley's legacy also, that someday she can raise kids um, and, and build into that also. Last thought, mother-in-law. That's a, that's a proud mama, you know, um, talking about her kids. So, hey, last thing. I, I, there were some more hands. 
There were some more hands that came up. Um, at the very bottom of the back page, I want you to circle or just identify a couple of things. Um, on the School Impact webpage, which is watermark.org schools, we have a tab that's for parents. Um, there are some resources there. We're gonna add some more resources from there. And so we're hopeful that you're gonna start seeing dad use about school choice and more parenting conversations around this. I think this is a gap in what we've offered um, through Watermark. And so I'm hoping to help fill some of those gaps. And then lastly, I will stay here and talk to you as long as you want right now. But if you say, hey, I'd love to grab my husband and us grab lunch or whatever, that's my email address. And let us know. We, we probably, like I said, we probably had 20 or 30 of these conversations over the last few years. We would love um, to help you process this. Um, again, not that there is a right choice overarching. Um, there is freedom for you um, and there is freedom for others. Um, but there are things that we need to be focusing on and making sure that we stay away from focusing on um, as we process. This. And I was so. just going to say, sometimes emailing a man about like, rant, you know, it's just, it's hard. Like, does, do get, does he get it? I would love, my, my name's not on there, but um, if you would like to email me or text me, you are more than welcome to. I might just give you my cell phone number. If anyone is interested, so it's Lauren Solomon, 214 729-0324. And I would love to kind of, I know a lot of you are processing and even just like naming some fears and naming just kind of how you're feeling about it because I was there and it's a scary and lonely place to be. And Allison wanted to say something. Guys, I mean, hand, round of applause for these two. Ben's been working on this for um, six months. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long least, time. Right? We met in the, in the fall. He's been working on just gathering all this. So I hope that you guys left with a little bit more tools in your back pocket on how to process this decision. Um, clearly today, you're not going to walk away most likely with a, okay, this is what we're doing. This is just another part of your conversation as you're processing where to go. Continue to pray about it. Continue to talk with your spouse. Continue to gather other like-minded people around you to speak into it as you're making this decision. And also know that that very big takeaway at the top, I loved, is my favorite thing. There is freedom in this. And sometimes you just have to eventually make a call and know that it's not the call you're going to make for the next 12 years. I would not recommend changing schooling every year. That would probably also not be a great thing for your children. Um, but it is something that you can adjust as needed for each individual child and for your family, depending on how your family dynamics and, and age and stage of your kids plays out. So anyways, thanks for being here. Um, that clock in the back is not working. It's 10.50. No, yeah. um, so you just 11.50 just need to get, if you have children in training ground, you just need to be down there right at noon. Um, until then, use your time as you need. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for coming, guys. Good to meet you.